You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. On the fake, Rodgers lets it fly, has Watson, he's got it on his feet and he's in for the touchdown! That might be the biggest catch of this young receiver's career for Christian Watson. You can see him, it's just press man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good. Alright, what's up guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out at Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. If you'd like to text the show, you can send a message to 865-658-5824. Again, that's 865-658-5824. Now, on today's show, we're going to cover a lot of stuff. We're going to hit on Christian Watson a little bit. He recently had an interview with... um. Rich Eisen, and just wanted to kind of get into the mind of Christian Watson a little bit, you know, going into his second year, obviously had a standout rookie year, really, really came on strong there at the end, battled through some injuries. You'll hear him mention the knee clean out, which we kind of reported on here uh, after talking to and interviewing uh, Krista, his mother. Um, she kind of unveiled that information to us. And it really put my mind at ease, to be honest with you, when I heard, okay, they just went in there and, and cleaned up some loose cartilage in his knee. That's when we realized this isn't something that's going to kind of nag him all year long. Now, once he gets on the field, when when he gets on the field, that's a different question. But once he does, that injury should be behind him, right? And, and that's exactly what we've seen. As the year went on, he got healthy. Obviously, he had a couple other injuries that, that kind of banged him up a little bit. But for the most part, you know, stayed in the game uh, there later in the season, which was really, really exciting. But he kind of hits on that a little bit. But really, I just, I just want you to hear this guy talk. Uh, and and you know, I almost said kid, but he is—he's a grown man. I get it, but he's still so young, right? And uh, just the way he carries himself, uh, the work ethic that you could tell he has, uh, you know, along with just—I don't know, man—just the way. His maturity, I think, is the biggest thing that stands out to me. And I love how he talks about Aaron Rodgers along with Jordan Love and how you'll you'll find out real quick he's just reaching out to any and everyone that he might be able to gain a little bit of knowledge from, which really says a lot about Christian himself. We're also going to have a little bit of NFL draft talk. Um, had a really cool thing pop up on Twitter from a Twitter account asking, hey, if these players were available, who would you take? And um, we're going to kind of run through that list and explain, you know, basically answer that question. Will we take these players at this point um, if they're available? Is there any point we would look at trading back? Is there any of these guys that you kind of feel like, uh, you know, it would be a reach if you took them with 15, that type of thing? We're going to cover all that information with our updated draft board. Keep in mind, the board isn't complete, but it is uh, a lot more organized now. It's starting to really, really take shape. And by the time we get to our draft night special, it's going to be uh, – it's going to be completed and really, really excited about that. So we'll hit that, and then we're also going to talk about a little bit of improvements that are going into Lambeau Field. So let's waste no time. Let's jump right into the Rich Eisen Show interview with Christian Watson and kind of I'm going to let it play because my audio tends to uh, cut out a little bit 
when I'm sharing the screen. So we're going to get through the interview and then we'll come back and just kind of hit on a few things that they said. But here we go. Did you get a sense that the Packers had you on their radar screen, Christian? Did you get a sense uh, I of did. I, I did. I had a I had a visit with the Packers, uh, and I, I mean, I, from the moment I got there, I mean, I felt like uh, the vibes were good. Uh, the conversation went well, and, and everything was was going smooth. And I, I could kind of see their interest uh, in me just as as a player and as a man, just uh, go, going through all of the interview process. So I, I, you know, I definitely felt that connection there. So you had an uh, you had an in person with them in Wisconsin. You had an, I did. You yeah. did. Okay. Who'd you meet with when you were there? Uh, everybody, everybody. I mean, the entire coaching staff, uh, the entire special team staff. Uh, I mean, I, I met with I met with everybody while I was there. Okay, you met with everybody while you were there. Uh, when was the first time you had a face to face with Aaron Rodgers, where you actually saw him and you were in the same room and you were looking eye to eye, Christian? When was the first time for that? Um, I think. I mean, he he came through a couple of times. He uh, he didn't participate in the OTAs, but I think the first time I saw him, he he had come through. It was it was like right before the mandatory mini camp. He had came in for a day. Mm-hmm. Um, he just he just he just walked by me and said, uh, he said, uh, "What's good, North Dakota State?" Uh, and I just said, "What's up to him?" I think that was the first interaction I had with him. Just him passing through the locker room. Well, I mean, in in the whole conversation, you know, when you were drafted, Christian was getting rookie receivers are getting new blood at that position for Rodgers. I mean, that was the whole conversation to see who could be drafted to help him out because Devontae Adams had left. Were you aware of all those conversations about the young receivers and Rodgers at the time? Were you fully cognizant of it or you were not paying attention to it, Christian? Um, I mean, for me, it was more so kind of just uh, in one ear, out the other. Uh, I mean, my main goal was just to, to, you know, from ground zero, just build up my relationship with him and just, you know, try to be that outlet for him as much as I could. Um, so, I mean, it was, it, I, I heard them, obviously, but I mean, it was mm-hmm. kind of just in one ear and out the other for me. Okay. And so what about uh, the early on relationship with Rogers and you? Christian, you uh, yeah, I mean, for me, for me, it was, it was kind of just a rocky start in general, um, you know, having... Uh, you know, my, my little knee cleanup uh, pre-training camp and, you know, not being able to get those reps in with him during training camp. Uh, you know, I feel like that was just a, a little a little setback for me because, you know, I know especially, you know, for a guy of his experience, um, you know, getting those reps in and building up that, you know, that trust uh, and that confidence, you know, in, in me uh, from him is was, you know, going to be huge for me and, and, you know, in terms of starting off hot. Um, so, you know, I think that that was just a little setback for me, but, I mean, it was kind of just, you know, another another step in the road. So I kind of had to take it as it was. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, as, as I was able to kind of get more reps with him and get, you know, get more uh, get more of that confidence built up with him, I think it was just kind of, up, you know, up, up from there. Well, then you certainly started to click when you got back healthy and you started playing, you know, uh, and getting a, a ton of targets. Um, I, I guess you could say it started – uh, against Dallas, that overtime victory that was your first career 100-yard game, and then you started following it up, um, you know, with that three-touchdown performance with another multiple one the next week. What did click for you? What do What do you think that was, Christian? Um, I, I mean, for me, it, it was that that, that uh, confidence piece. Uh, you know, just just knowing that you know everyone has that confidence in me, and then just you know me being able to have that confidence myself to just go out there and just play the ball that I know I'm capable of playing. Um, you know, not you know, I you know, everyone wants to say that they had that confidence, but you know, until you're really out there and you know, performing the way that you want to perform, uh, you know, there's always hot in the back of the head. So, you know, once I was kind of, once I was kind of able to you know brush that off my shoulders and just and just get rolling and and you know play the football that I wanted to play, I think it was just 
um, you know, that was, I had to, you know, get that off my back and I was rolling from there. How did a kid from Phoenix wind up at North Dakota State? Oh, from Tampa. <laughs> I mean, you played your high school, you're born in Phoenix, you played high school in Tampa. How did you wind up at North Dakota State, Christian? Uh, yeah, no, so, I mean, I, that was my, that was my only offer coming out of high school. Uh, you know, I was under recruited. I was, I was undersized, uh, you know, throughout the majority of my high school career. Uh, so, you know, I, I was a late bloomer. I think I shot up like, you know, four or five inches and like 30, 40 pounds going into my uh, senior year. Um, so, you know, I kind of just overlooked up until that point. And then North Dakota State just kind of put their put their trust in me. Um, and I ended up being my only offer. So I committed and just, you know, let let the stones, you know, lay as they may. I just, you know, made the most of the opportunity. Hold on a second. Uh, that's a word I've never heard associated with you is undersized, Christian. What, so what were you as a junior in high school? Honestly, give me uh, my, give me your high weight. Junior, what do you got? Yeah, my junior season, I I was around you know five nine, five ten, like one hundred forty five pounds. What? Yeah, and, yep. and, and then and then and then going into my senior year, I I was around six two or six three, one hundred seventy five, <laughs> hundred eighty pounds. <laughs> oh my gosh! So you had to like get new clothes and everything. I mean, like that's. That's unbelievable. Because right now, I mean, you you are you 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 look like a grown ass man when standing in the end zone, uh, Christian. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know, I, I shot up out of nowhere, and then honestly, I kept on growing up. You know, because I went to I went to college at you know six two and a half, six three, and right. I you know kept growing to you know six four, six four and a half that I am now, and obviously put you know put on a lot of weight, filled out a little bit more. Uh, so yeah, now I. It, 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 it came in late, but obviously, you know, it all, it all, you know, came to what it is today. So then how do you keep it all Christian Watson here on the Rich Eisen show? This is amazing. I, I honestly, you know, did not know this about you, that you had a growth spurt and then you go to North Dakota State, obviously won championships there with Trey Lance, who I'd love to talk with you about in a moment. And then you suddenly you wind out up at Lambeau Field. Devontae Adams is gone. You got the pressure of being the, the, the second round draft choice that you need to come in right away with Aaron Rodgers, you're standing there with Aaron Rodgers of all people, you know, at Lambeau Field. And then, uh, was your head spinning last year, Christian? To be very honest, was your head spinning? Uh, uh, yeah, no, I, mean, I think the whole process in general is just is just a, a lot to take on. Uh, you know, obviously, it's, it's it's the dream come true that you know every every football player you know wants, but obviously, you know, it's, it's definitely a lot. Um, you know, starting from, you know, the, the the day that you're done with your college career and then, you know, you're training for, you know, an all-star game. If, if you had that for me, it was, the, it was the senior bowl. Uh, then, you know, going straight to training for the combine and combine to, to visits and then visits to the draft and then obviously, you know, right out to OTA. So, I mean, it, it was a lot. Um, it was a lot, but I mean, it's exactly what I wanted to be doing. So, I mean, I just kind of, you know, took it head on and um, you know, just did everything I could to, to be the best possible player I could be. Well, then, and obviously now year two, uh, and there appears to be, appears to be a question as to who your week one quarterback is going to be, training camp. It does appear to be looking like Jordan Love. So what is your relationship? How much time have you had with Jordan Love as you and I are conversing with each other in, in March, Christian? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, obviously, you know, 12 being the, the starting quarterback last year, um, you know, it, it would seem like, you know, we did, we wouldn't have got a lot of time with, with Jordan, but, uh, you know, I, I spent a lot of time with, with Jordan Love, actually, um, you know, whether it was, you know, meetings outside of, outside of, you know, meetings and practice and stuff, just to kind of, you know, get that playbook down and, um, you know, get a quarterback's, uh, you know, thought process on, on what's going on, you know, outside of, you know, just, you know, getting reps in with 12. 
Uh, so, you know, we had we uh, us younger guys have you know meetings with Jordan Love, uh, you know, pretty much weekly going into the later weeks of the season, um, and and uh, just getting in the some of the younger guy stuff. I mean, we had a we had quite a bit of uh, younger guy developmental stuff that we did uh, early in the season. So you know, got reps in with him, and you know, I, I think that relationship and that connection is is uh, you know strong already. And and have you spoken to Jordan lately, Christian? Have you spoken? Oh, I have, I have, yeah. What's going through his mind that you're willing to share? With me, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I've been trying to, you know, pick his brain too much. You know, I, I know, you know, with the, you know, uncertainty of things, um, you know, the uncertainty that you know has been around this whole thing. Uh, you know, I haven't tried to, you know, cloud his mind anymore. But, so, I mean, I just, you know, kind of reach out to him, see how he's, see how he's doing his off season, and you know, see if he wants, uh, you know, to get some workouts in, um, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, so, you know, we probably going to go ahead and and, and do that. But, I mean, I, I think he's good. You know, I think that he's. He's, you know, been preparing himself uh, these past couple, you know, years for whatever his moment, uh, you know, whatever his time to sign is, and I, you know, I think he's in a good uh, mental space. And when was the last time you spoke to Rogers, Christian? Uh, probably that was probably around that same time, probably uh, like a week or two ago. Okay. Just kind of talking to him about offseason stuff. You know, what what can I do to? Unlock your full creative potential. Go to fxhome.com now and download the only video. And how has he helped in that regard? Not just in the last two weeks, whenever you had that conversation, but overall, how would you say Rogers has helped you come along as a wide receiver in this league? Christian. Uh, I mean, honestly, honestly, a, a ton, you know, I, I couldn't be more thankful for you know the opportunity to play with him. Uh, you know, my rookie season and just be able to pick his brain uh, you know, my number one goal going into last year was just to, you know, pick the pick the veterans' mind as much as possible. Because, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you never know when those guys are going to be done or, you know, never know when they're going to be gone. So I just tried to learn as much as possible from, from him uh, was, you know, one of my number one goals. And, you know, I think I did that, you know, whenever I had a question, whenever I had just something shoot into my mind, even if it, even if it seemed like a dumb question, uh, you know, he was always open to, to, you know, answering that for me and just giving, you know, his, his mindset on that. So, um you know, I think I think he helped me uh, develop a lot, and you know, I think that he helped me, uh, you know, gain that confidence that I that I gained uh, later in the year, uh, just with his confidence in me. And what's your sense? What's your best guess? Is it going to be Love or Rogers? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I'll just do it uh, if you don't mind. What's your best sense of it? I know. Again, I know you're just a second year receiver trying to get better in the league after having a terrific first campaign. What What's your sense of it, Christian? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, for me, it's it's just, you know, I know it's, it's probably not what you want to hear, no, but so. for me, I mean, it's my number one thing, and, you know, this offseason has been to, you know, try to focus as much as, as possible on myself and just kind of, you know, let all the outside noise just be outside noise. Uh, so, you know, I haven't tried to put too much thought into it. You know, it's, it's you know, above my pay grade. It's, it's yep. not, you know, what I need to be focusing on. So, you know, I haven't tried to put too much thought in it, into it. You know, whoever's, you know, whoever's there when I get back uh, to the facility is, it is what it is, so. So then, before I let you go, then let's talk about your college quarterback uh, in Trey Lance. Nah, we don't care about no 49ers in here, so we're just going to move on. <laughs> um, I thought that was a great interview, and I just wanted to kind of let you guys hear that because, um, again, the maturity is really what sticks out to me with Christian Watson. I mean, you know he's a hard worker. First of all, the growth spurt, did that was that not amazing? Like, I think he said he was 5'9" his junior year, and then his senior year he came back and he was 6'2". Like, that's crazy, absolutely crazy. And obviously, 
the rest is history. But um, a couple of things that he said there that I wanted to kind of hit on or just just uh, highlight a little bit. You know, he talked about um, no training camp reps with Aaron Rodgers. You know, we, we kind of alluded to it there before we played the interview. And it's something we talked about last year. It definitely hurt Christian. It definitely hurt Aaron. You know, that's another thing to take into consideration when the team underperformed last year is not only were we playing with rookie wide receivers, and I know the receiving core, they led the league in drops or, or were tied for the league uh, lead in drops. Uh, the tight ends underperformed, uh, you know, according to PFF, I think we would all agree. Now, Mercedes Lewis was definitely the best of the bunch. We know he's no longer, you know, as of right now, he's not on the roster. We'll see if he returns. I highly doubt he will, although I would welcome him back with open arms, especially seeing that we're probably going to be bringing, back, bringing in at least two rookie tight ends, at least two rookie tight ends, and no, no one better than Mercedes Lewis to train those guys up. But having no training camp, uh, reps with with Aaron Rodgers really hurt the uh, the entire process for the offense, and those are the things we don't take into consideration because in the heat of the moment, when the season's live, you want to pass blame, you want to throw judgment on everyone, right? And it's Aaron Rodgers took a bunch of a bunch of licks, right? It was it was something that he got criticized highly, even though he had the the broken thumb and everything. And then on, on the other flip side, you had a lot of people that are big Aaron Rodgers fans saying this receiving core sucks. Right, he's got rookie receivers are dropping passes, blah, blah blah. They don't take into consideration the fact that, you know, Romeo Dobbs was a later round pick, and Christian Watson missed all the training camp. Right, like these guys have got to have time to gel, and you started to see that down the stretch. Obviously, it didn't end the way that we all would have wanted it to. Although there were many people saying we should tank, we should tank, we should tank, and every time the Packers won, it's amazing that I've seen Packer fans on Twitter complaining about a win because they wanted a better draft pick, which, I mean, it blows my mind. But anyway, um, another thing, he said he reached out to Aaron Rodgers this March, if I understood correctly. That really kind of caught me off guard. Because you got to understand that, you know, going into March, we all, I think we would all agree that everybody was, all right, Aaron's on his way out. You know, that seemed to be the consensus. And it looks like, okay, he's he's definitely not returned to the Packers, right? And, and it, I'm not going to sit here and say there's a 0% chance that he's a starting quarterback for the Packers this year, but it is really, really, really slim at this point, right? Um, but the fact that he reached out to Aaron this March and Aaron was giving him feedback this March, because that says a lot about Aaron Rodgers. He's still trying to help Christian Watson, and he's still willing to respond to a text message or answer a phone call or what have you. You know, that's the type of guy that Aaron is. And uh, I know sometimes the media likes to paint him and, and the people that don't like him like to paint him out to be this villain. He's a bad teammate. It's all about him. He's selfish, blah, blah, blah. But when you talk to his teammates, they're all saying he's a great teammate, right? Um, so I thought that really stuck out to me. Another thing that stuck out to me, and it'll kind of lead us into our next segment here, he said that he visited with the Packers last year, right? Well, obviously, these top 30 visits that the teams get, right, where, where players can come in and, and and meet with the teams and they can interview them and all that. And you heard Christian say he met everyone in the building. Anyone who's in the building, they pretty much introduced them to. I mean, those are extensive interviews. They're doing background checks. They're, they've got people all over the building. I've heard stories about how they will plant people to pick him up from the airport, not necessarily for Christian, although that could have happened. I didn't hear it specifically with this story, but in the past, they would have a team employee pick the player up at the airport and that team employee is there to give them feedback on how he acted towards the guy driving the car. Because a lot of times you can tell you can tell a lot about a person by how they treat people that they deem underneath them, 
Not that Christian would do that. Well, let's be honest. You've got a guy who's coming in, uh, you know, let's say it was a first-round pick like Devontae Wyatt, right? And I'm not suggesting Devontae did this. I'm sure he didn't. But you're coming in, you're going to be a first-round pick. You you know, you just came from your college. You're the cream of the crop. Boy, you got everything, you know, put to you on a silver, you know, handed to you on a silver platter, right? You're, you're, you're the top dog on campus. And then you step into – situation where okay well this guy's just driving the car he's taking me to he's a nobody right i'm sure people think like that and the teams have implanted people to try to hammer them with questions and see how they respond how did they treat the driver is he someone who's respectful is he someone that it comes across like hey this is a genuinely good guy or is he just putting up a front when he walks in the building i think that stuff is is always fascinating to me how they go to the nth degree to be able to find any little bit of information that may help them make a better draft choice. But when you talk about the people that visited, it sparked in my mind, well, who visited with Green Bay last year, right? There were actually six Green Bay draft picks that were visits last year with the Packers, two of which were Devontae Wyatt and Christian Watson. Those are two high picks, right? To the best of my knowledge, Quay Walker did not visit. So that goes to show you that just because a player wasn't a visit, you know, they don't narrow it down to just the players that visited for those high-round picks, right? But they did take Devontae Wyatt with a first-round pick, and he was a visit. And then, obviously, they traded up in the second, I think, to pick 34 to take Christian Watson. He interviewed with them. So that's something to keep your eye on this year. And we'll talk about it here in this next segment, like what players have visited so far. And by the time the draft gets here, what I do on my draft board, my horizontal board, is I put a star next to their name. There's a ton of information that goes into the horizontal board for me. First of all, you get all the positions listed off, listed out horizontally. You get the players listed vertically in their respective slots underneath their position, right? And then it's broken down into tiers. So I'll have horizontal lines separating the tiers of talent, meaning these players are in the same tier, the same talent pool. So anything outside of this current tier, uh, top tier of, uh, of talent, you're kind of reaching, right, in my opinion, according to my board. So it kind of shows you, okay, these are the clusters. These are where the players sit. This is what their position is. If they're uh, written in in green, I do that indicating they're quite a bit younger than the others. You know, your 21-year-olds, right, the the younger prospects. So Devontae Wyatt last year was actually a little bit older. you got to take those things into consideration. Now, I personally don't think it's a big deal. You know, I always say it's amazing how a player's drafted – and immediately, what's the what's the narrative around? Well, it's going to take a year or two to get his feet under him, and you know these are young kids coming out of college. But it's a negative to draft a, a prospect that's one year older. That makes no sense to me, right? And I understand the NFL is a different game. I got it. I'm with you. But I never put too much stock into that. However, the statistics show that the Green Bay Packers do like selecting younger players. You know, Kenny Clark, if I remember correctly, I believe he was 20 years old. I think when the Packers drafted him. That's one of the reasons why Kenny Clark's still so young. Now, whether you believe he's lived up to the hype of a first-round pick, you know, that's everyone's own opinion, right? And I'm not going to sit here and debate that. But I think what's happened is with COVID, the COVID year, and you had those players getting held back, the, some of these teams are reaching out of their norm. Although I'm cool with it because, again, I don't put too much stock into that that age thing. And last year, I know there was a lot of players saying, oh, there's no way they draft Devontae White. He's too old. He's too old. He's too old. They took Devontae White, of course, right? So um, with that being said, though, when you look at those players, 
that the that the visits took place and and how are these players going to fall into place and when they're going to be drafted on that horizontal board what i do is if it's a visit first of all if they've had injury issues if they were hurt this coming year or maybe they were hurt for a year or two in college and they kind of show an injury history i write i write their name in red so you get the horizontal board with the positions the name will either be in green for a young player or if it's a young player and there's been injury, the injury is going to trump it. I write him in red. And then if they were a visit, I put a star next to their name. So that tells me the Packers have got their eyes on them, right? And then when I put action on the draft, which I do every year, I'll put a little bit of little bit of action on, okay, I think the Packers may draft this guy. All of those stars line up, right? You've got the, the star next to his name that he was a visit, right? He might be a younger player written in green. And then I, I make sure that I put on the horizontal board at the top – uh, the uh, the different positions, I will write them. I'll put like a, a mark next to them if I feel like that's a direct position of need for the Packers. So when I look at the draft board and I go into the draft, I go, okay, these are the guys below the 15th slot. Check it off the box. Meaning, you know, the Packers are going to be picking 15th, meaning they should be on the board when they select. Got it. Okay. It's a young prospect. Check it off the box. Got it. And And on and on. It's a position of need. Got it. There's no injury concerns. Got it. And then that's the best way to really narrow the field down to just a handful of players where you can go, okay, there's a good chance this guy's going to get drafted. Granted, I didn't put money on Quay Walker last year, rightfully so, because no one's seen that coming, right? But, again, with uh, with Devontae White, it was, uh, it was a home run for sure. So let's do this. Let's talk about the draft a little bit. I seen a tweet come across. Uh, today and it came from IKE Packers podcast. It's uh, at IKE underscore Packers. I personally like to follow them. I know some people bash them because they say they're cheesy on the stuff they post. I think it's more content is better than less, in my opinion. I'm not picky on what content I consume as far as I'm not going to criticize. I should say I, I want more Packers content coming. On. I want to. I want to prop up. Uh, podcasts. I want to prop up Twitter accounts that I'm like, man, if they're constantly talking about the Packers and they're not, they're not talking about baseball, they're not talking about basketball, they're not talking about political BS, they're not talking about all of these other things, and they're really zeroed in on the Packers, I think it's a good follow, whether you agree with the information or not. That's just me personally. You know, there's a, a podcast called Father Son Podcast. If you guys haven't heard it, man, it's great. It's literally a father and son Lifelong Packer fans doing a podcast together. What a dream come true, man, to to raise your son and, and bring him up as a Packer fan, and then both of you are so interested later in life that you do a podcast together. And they've got all of these memories recorded, which is really, really – I don't know. I just think it's a such a wholesome idea. It's really, really cool. Uh, but anyway, that's another good follow. So I like IKE. But here's what they said in the tweet. If these eight players are on the board and they list the players – who do you take if you're drafting at 15? Join the conversation. So what I thought I would do is list these players out and talk about whether I would take them at 15 or not, according to my board. And I've got my updated board, my draft board, uh, pulled up here in spreadsheet form. It's not on the horizontal board, so you can't see the clusters, although if you look hard enough, you can kind of find that info. But here are the players they list. Tied in Darnell Washington. Edge defender Lucas Van Ness, edge defender Nolan Smith, edge defender Miles Murphy, offensive tackle Paris Johnson Jr., cornerback Christian Gonzalez, 
tight end Dalton Kincaid, and tight end Michael Mayer. So let's kind of break those down real quick. Let's look at those players specifically and say, okay, would we take them with the number 15 pick? And what I've done is listed each of these players um, according to position on my draft board, okay? And we're going to go through and kind of talk about exactly where they fall and whether I think that would be a good pick or not. And would it be a reach as well, meaning you might, trade up later in the draft to grab them or trade back with the current pick. Let's start with Christian Gonzalez. First of all, Christian Gonzalez, in my opinion, is hands down the best cornerback in the draft. You know, Witherspoon out of Illinois is is fairly close, but he's one tier lower than Christian Gonzalez. Me personally, I think Christian Gonzalez is the fourth best prospect in this draft. The top four I've got listed are defensive line Jalen Carter, quarterback Bryce Young, edge defender Will Anderson out of Bama, and then cornerback Christian Gonzalez. So if Christian Gonzalez somehow, some way, is on the board at number 15, it's a no-brainer. You take him. Why do you take him? Let's kind of look at it for a second. At the cornerback position, here are the PFF grades you had. Jair Alexander led the way at 80.3. Obviously, you're not expecting Christian Gonzalez to come in and replace Jair Alexander. You gave him the contract extension. Jair's a superstar. But the second highest graded corner on the team is Russell Douglas at a 71.1. Some of you guys are going, no, I want Russell to start. I totally do too. But let me ask you this. If you had a second Jair Alexander on your roster, would you want Russell to start over him? Because I know I wouldn't. You've also got to take into consideration that Jair wasn't a superstar his rookie year, and you got to kind of work into that and take your lumps. Maybe it would be cool to have Christian Gonzalez as that third best cornerback and see if he can unseat Russell Douglas is that second boundary corner, right? Another idea is the fact that you've got uh, Keyshawn Nixon playing the slot, according to Matt LaFleur. What's the only worry with that? With Keyshawn Nixon playing the slot? Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from arenaclub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. 
We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. You've got a higher injury risk. Therefore, now he's not going to be playing on kick return, punt return. If indeed he does get hurt, guys, that's a huge blow to the special teams. I'm not saying we couldn't figure it out, but that is a risk that comes with Keyshawn Nixon. It really is playing the slot. But Russell Douglas's PFF grade was only a 71.1. Keyshawn Nixon's was a 63.9. Now, if you get Christian Gonzalez in here, who's the fourth best prospect in the draft, according to my board, I'm not saying it's correct or I'm smarter than anyone else. This is the information I trust. It's how my board sits. Guys, the, the thought of him battling with Russell Douglas for that number two corner spot, and let's say he came out and played lots out and he finished you know, at a 78 PFF grade. That is a significant improvement on your, on your cornerback room. Now, some of you are saying, what about Eric Stokes? When he gets healthy, that's a first-round pick. You don't want to waste that first-round pick. The only thing worse than wasting a first-round pick on a player that's not good is trying to convince yourself that they're good. I'm not suggesting that Eric Stokes can't turn it around. But, guys, he has not lived up to a first-round talent. And I know there's a lot of Gutekunst fans right now that are going, you don't know what you're talking about, Gutekunst. I get it. Watch the tape. Watch the tape. Look at the PFF grade and tell me why you like Eric Stokes so much, right? I want him to pan out. You don't want one single wasted first-round pick. But you have got to be willing to accept the mistakes, understand what the what mistake you made, and change that mistake. Get your ego out of the way. You know the old saying, you can't pay your family and the you can't – you can't feed your family and your ego at the same time. It's it's absolutely huge to be able to identify, I screwed that up, let's move on, right? Now, is there a chance Christian Gonzalez could play safety? Possibly, I don't know. But I, I don't like to loosely talk about cornerback and safety being that interchangeable. Now, could you move Russell Douglas to safety? We've seen him do that in training camp last year, right? What if you drafted Christian Gonzalez because he fell to 15? And I just want to put a preference out here. Guys, listen, I – I don't think Christian Gonzalez is going to be there at 15. He's going to be a superstar. I really believe that with everything in me. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. But he looks like a superstar in the freaking making. If he stays healthy and gets plugged into good defensive coaches that can take his game to the next level, the sky's the limit for this guy. So if he's on the board, imagine that. Imagine imagine Jair Alexander on one boundary, right? Christian Gonzalez on the other. Rasul Douglas playing free safety or uh, Rudy Ford playing free safety and Christian Gonzalez playing strong safety. Now you can afford to trade Darnell Savage, who's grossly underperformed and is on, uh, you know, against the cap 7.9 million. You might be able to find someone that had also had a first round grade on him to move him or you keep him and you've got extra depth. What if you go into camp and you've got Russell Douglas playing free safety, Christian Gonzalez on the boundary, Jair Alexander on the boundary, right? And then you've got Darnell Savage and you have got, um, you know, someone else competing for the slot position. You know, what if it's Russell competing for the slot position? Although I think he'll stay on the boundary. What if it's Christian Gonzalez battling for that? You know, the the more competition that you create in your clubhouse, in your locker room, especially in training camp and, and going into training camp at the end of summer or during summer, man, it's going to, it's going to, not only does it, 
up those specific players, you know, uh, uh, level of play and, and, you know, a rising tide raises all ships type thing, but also that's going to increase the, uh, the competitiveness in your locker room, which I personally think has been missing a little bit. Maybe that in part is Aaron Rodgers' fault for being so relaxed and such a chill guy and that type of thing. Right. And not taking the off season as, as, as serious as he once did when he was younger, which most players do that when they get older. I'm not here to bash him for it, but you're, you're, you're talking about a, a complete 180 with the culture in the locker room, potentially. So, again, Christian Gonzalez, I think that's a no-brainer. Let's move on to the second player they're mentioned, which is offensive tackle Paris Johnson. Paris Johnson, I've got him in Tier 4, okay? So to put that into perspective, Paris Johnson is sitting in the 13th slot for me. He is the 13th best prospect in this year's draft. If he is available and Christian Gonzalez is not available of these players that they're talking about, if Paris Johnson was the best player available, that's a no-brainer. You draft Paris Johnson. Why? It's a tier one position. It's, I mean, it is on offense, quarterback, and tackle is the most important aspect. Now, some of you guys are going, well, Dave, we got David Bottiari, right tackle is not a tier two position. Absolutely. But – Paris Johnson sliding over to left tackle when David Bakhtiari leaves here in a year or two, which we all can pretty much see the writing on the wall. He's not going to be around much longer because of the contract situation and the fact that David's been battling injuries, that type of thing. I, I would be surprised if he's on this roster two years from now. So if you draft his replacement and he's getting playing time at right tackle, which a high first-round pick should be able to uh, switch up and do, uh, you know me, I'm not, I'm not, I don't throw that around loosely saying, oh, you, if you play left tackle, you play right tackle. It's a totally different ballgame. But someone that high of a prospect should be able to handle that. You've seen Brian Bulaga do it, right, when he came in the league. So Paris Johnson would be a no brainer for me. Uh, in that same tier, the next player they mentioned um, is uh, edge defender Miles Murphy. Okay. To put it into perspective here, Paris Johnson has a 12.2 grade. Okay. The lower the grade, the higher the value for me. Miles Murphy is sitting at a 14. Really, really close. They're in the same tier of talent. If Paris Johnson isn't there, I would take Miles Murphy. Another one they mentioned is Lucas Van Ness. That's the name that keeps popping up to me. Put that into perspective in comparison. Uh, Miles Murphy at a 14. Lucas Van Ness is at a 14.6. Not even a one whole point difference between the two. So, you know, the Packers can kind of take their pick there. I'm cool with either Miles Murphy or Lucas Van Ness. Why? They're both no-brainers because they are tier, tier one positions as well. On defense, your tier one positions are what? Edge defender and defensive lineman, interior defensive lineman, nose tackle, one tech, shade, that type of spot. So when you look at that, the, the Packers are in a real good spot. I mean, Miles Murphy is the 15th best prospect. Lucas Van Ness is the 17th best prospect. So you're going to be in that wheelhouse to not, to not have to reach – to get a position of need and also a tier one position of importance. Now, why would I why would I mention drafting Paris Johnson like we just did? Let's look at the offensive line room. Okay. Let's let's look at offensive tackle specifically. David Bakhtiari, 79.8 was his PFF grade last year, right? Zach Tom, 68.3. And I believe Zach Tom scored higher then I don't have the PFF grades pulled up directly right now. Actually, I do. Let me see here. Yeah, I can pull it up here. Yash Nijman, um finished at a 63.1. So you could see Zach Tom was 
uh, you know, significantly higher to 68.3. So we would call Zach Tom the highest graded player, although they're bringing Yash back. Yash probably will get the starting nod at right tackle, or they'll at least have camp battles for Zach Tom to uh, probably battle out with uh, the guard position as well as uh, tackle. They're, they're going to want to try to get him in the lineup if at all possible. Um, but when you look at that, could someone like a, uh, a Paris Johnson unseat a Zach Tom or Yash Nijman at right tackle? Absolutely he could. If you're taking one there in the top 15, come on, man. That I mean, that's exciting stuff there. So you've got a chance. Really, you've got what we what we now have here, three players in Tier 4, which is that wheelhouse for the number 15 pick, in my opinion, and all three players are on Tier 1 positions of importance. Okay? Oh, and by the way, it just happens to be a need. Now, let's look at edge defender, like we said, Miles Murphy, Lucas Van Ness. Who's on our roster at edge? You've got Rashawn Gary, who I'm hearing rumors that the plan is for him to be back for week one. Guys, if he's back by week one, that is insane. I'm I'm curbing the enthusiasm and planning on midseason, okay? I learned my lesson last year with David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins' knee injury. Rashawn Gary's a monster. He's a workout freak. He's the guy who's going to put the work in. If anybody can do it, Rashawn Gary can do it. But let's say Rashawn Gary is healthy for week one, just for draft purposes here, okay? His PFF grade is an 82.9, right? He's your starting left outside linebacker, edge defender, however you want to say it. On the right side, you got Preston Smith, who graded out as a 66.4. 66.4. Now let's slide down to Kingsley and Igbare, 61.4. So a 66.4 with Preston Smith, and then a 61.4. If you replace, if you bring in a Miles Murphy or a Lucas Van Ness, right, then there's going to be a camp battle for that opposite edge position there with Preston Smith. At a minimum, they're going to be – you're upgrading your rotational guy at edge defender, and you're ready to move on from Preston Smith in a year or two when you need to, and you've got his replacement in the building already. Now let's hit pause on that. What if Rashawn Gary isn't healthy, right? What if he's not ready? Then you've got a first-round pick, a solid first-round pick, that could potentially come in and fill that void while Rashawn Gary gets healthy. Let's say Rashawn Gary isn't healthy and he has to go on PUP. And I can't remember the exact week, if it's week four, week six, if they can activate him at any time. A lot of rules have changed and gotten very, very loose since COVID. But let's say that he comes in, he fills in for Rashawn Gary, and he looks like freaking T.J. Watt, he being either Miles Murphy or Lucas Van Ness. Then guess what you do? You say, all right, when Rashawn Gary's healthy – roll him to the other side, and replace Preston Smith. And now Preston Smith becomes a swing guy. If you've got someone of that kind of talent, of that kind of talent, that caliber of talent, I should say, that's somebody that might potentially be the next T.J. Watt, right? Or the next, you know, insert any great edge, the next Rashawn Gary. Now, the only issue is we've seen Rashawn Gary. He's an up-and-coming superstar if the knee stays healthy, knock on wood. But it took a year to do that, right? And we got to rotate him in. We know that the Packers like to approach their rookies that way. So whether it's Christian Gonzalez, Paris Johnson, or Miles Murphy or Lucas Van Ness, there's a good, good chance that that these players will eat, get eased into the rotation. But again, you're talking about tier one positions of importance and, and using that number 15 pick on that. I mean, that's really, really 
that's exciting stuff in my opinion. Let's move on to the next player. we got to go down to Tier 5 to get to him. There's actually three of them. Edge defender Nolan Smith, again, another Tier 1 position. Now we're getting into the tight end range, okay? Tight ends. Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid. And I mention them in that order because my, my board is complete when it comes to tight ends, and that's how they fall. In the number 22 slot on my draft board, Michael Mayer comes in at a 19. At number 23 spot, tight end Dalton Kincaid comes in at a 19. Guys, they're a complete push. The only difference is Dalton Kincaid did not get a uh, a uh, physical traits modifier from me, meaning he has an incomplete RAS score. So we know Dalton Kincaid is a freak. I feel really comfortable saying he would at least score a three-point bonus for that very for for you know physical traits and RAS. If that's the case, that actually moves him up to a 16 grade, three spots higher than Michael Mayer. And if we did do a 16, then that would put him actually in the number 17 slot on my horizontal board. So just kind of shows you got you got to really take it into consideration. And the only reason I mention is because Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid are tied on the board, right? But in my opinion, I'm taking Dalton Kincaid over Michael Mayer. And I know some of you are like, Clayton, you're a big Notre Dame fan. That says a lot that you would do that. Absolutely it does. Dalton Kincaid, in my opinion, is the best tight end in this draft. Now, only time will tell whether that's uh, that's accurate or not. But here's the thing about those tight ends. With those tight ends, they're – they're so they're so heavy because another player they mentioned was Darnell Washington, right? He's all the way down to tier nine. So to put that into perspective, he's the 35th best prospect. He's in tier nine, and Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid are the 22nd and 23rd best prospect. They're in tier five, four tiers higher than Darnell Washington. Why do I mention that? As much as I would like to take a tight end. Um, and, and get the best tight end in the draft, right? And said so that's our guy at tight end. This is such a tight end rich draft. I would like to see them take two swings on it, but not with that number 15 pick. Now, if the Packers trade back, right? Let's say they traded back to 30. Some of you guys are going, no, please, God, don't do that, right? But if they did, then maybe you trade back, pick up extra compensation, and still take a tight end later. But one thing I do want to see happen, is double dip at tight end. Why do I want to see them double dip at tight end? Guys, we've got two tight ends on the roster, basically, and a couple uh, roster fillers, but two that we're expecting to make the roster. Josiah DeGuara, right, and Tyler Davis. They're PFF grades, guys. I know we've got a lot of Josiah DeGuara fans out there, and I, he seems like the greatest dude in the world. I would love to see him succeed, but a 57.2. 57.2 PFF grade last year. Tyler Davis, 56.7. That's just insanity. I want to see them double dip in the draft for tight end, even if they were to bring back Mercedes Lewis, right? Now that, that tight end position jumps to, let's see what Mercedes Lewis's PFF grade was again. His was a 65.6, significantly higher, right? Almost 10 points higher. If you bring back Mercedes Lewis, then you still take two tight ends and you're replacing Tyler Davis on the roster now. I don't think they'll let go let go of Josiah Aguara that quick because he plays so much H back and he's a vital, you know, 
a vital cog right now because it takes so much to train up that tight end that can play attached and he can play H-back. Um, and even a little bit of flex, not necessarily boundary, but flex. Um, that's, I, you know, I think it's a lock that Josiah Aguara will be on this roster, whether they draft five tight ends. But I just wanted to mention those PFF grades because it's like, man, we really need to double dip with tight ends. And it just so happens this is a tight end rich draft. It really is. When you look at the tight ends, like I said, you got Michael Mayer at 22, Dalton Kincaid at 23. Actually, Dalton Kincaid at 22, Michael Mayer at 23. I need to switch those, but you know the way it organized there, they do have the same grade. It just went with Mayer over top. They, the the computer must know that I'm a Notre Dame fan. Um, number 27, you got Luke Musgrave, right? Then at number 35, you've got Darnell Washington. Then you climb down a little bit further, quite a bit further, actually. There's one I'm missing here. There he is, Sam Laporte at 63. Trying to think if I missed anyone else. I did not, I don't believe. So those are the tight ends you're looking at. What I would like to see happen is the Packers to get two of these four tight ends in the draft. Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, Luke Musgrave, or Darnell Washington. That'd be really exciting. Now, we talked about in the Christian Watson interview. You guys remember we were talking about the visits, right? The the uh, the prospect visits to Green Bay. Last year, they drafted two of those visits with top picks. You know, when I say top picks, top two, you know, the first two rounds. Those were Devontae White and Christian Watson. Out of all those players that IKE Packers uh, Twitter account mentioned, only one has had a, an a official visit, and they're not done. There'll be others, I'm sure, but right now the one that sticks out is Darnell Washington, the freak. Again, Darnell Washington's 35th on my board. You're talking about a Tier 9 talent. I don't want them to even think about taking Darnell Washington with that 15th pick. But I do. what I do want to see happen, though, is be able to take him in the second round. Because, again, in my opinion, he's worthy of the 35th pick in the draft. So when they pick at whatever it is, I think it's 40, 45 or 47. I don't have the exact draft picks pulled up here as far as, you know, the uh, the draft pick order. But when the Packers draft, let's say that with the number 15 pick, they take Paris Johnson at offensive tackle, right? And then when we get into the second round, there's a good chance that we will have traded for another second-round pick uh, in the Aaron Rodgers trade, right? What if they trade up in the second round and snag one of these tight ends. Let's say they jump up early in the second round from that 15th pick in the second round, and let's say they climb up to the fourth pick in the second round, right? And they get Michael Mayer. Or let's just say Dalton Kincaid, so I'm not called a homer here. Let's say they jump up there and they take Dalton Kincaid. Bang, there's your starting tight end, right? And then you climb down a little bit further, and let's say that you get down, uh, let's say around – Let's see where these other tight ends come in. Let's comb down here. Let's say you get a little later in the second round with the second, the second of your uh, your second round picks there that came with Aaron Rod from the Aaron Rodgers trade. Just hypothetically speaking here, you've got an opportunity to bundle some stuff together and jump back up and get Darnell Washington, or you could take Sam Laporta at tight end. There's your two tight end draft picks. To me, if I was a betting man, and I am, <laughs> and someone proposed to me, do you how many tight ends do you think the Packers will take in the first three rounds? You know, the odds are going to be extremely against you, but the money that you could put on that 
because it's 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 so highly unlikely that they would do it. It's such a specific uh, situation. It's such a specific prediction. I could see that happening. I could see the Packers going either offensive tackle or edge defender with that number 15 pick. Or what if they traded back and picked up a ton of draft picks so they could trade back up again in the second? What if they traded back and they took Nolan Smith? Let's say they traded back to – let's see where Nolan Smith is exactly on the big board here. On the big board, Nolan Smith is 19th. Let's say they traded back to 21st, right? And when it comes time to pick, Nolan Smith's still there. You get Nolan Smith, and then you turn around and draft one of two, either Michael Mayer or Dalton Kincaid, and then you climb back up again in the second round and get either Darnell Washington or Sam Laporta. Guys, that's a good draft. That's a solid, solid draft. So I just wanted to do that exercise because I seen that come across Twitter and I was like, man, let's see where these guys fall on the board. And as I'm doing, I'm going, what am I doing? Why don't I talk about this on the pod as we do it, right? So that's that's why we did that. Now, let's wrap up with this. We're going to get you guys out of here early. Um, there is a video that posted on the Packers YouTube page, and I just want to kind of play it for you guys. Lambeau Field's getting a little bit of an upgrade this year. I'm really excited. You know, one of the things I look forward to every year is when the schedule's released, because as soon as the schedule's released, it's like me and Mandy, we rush home, right? <laughs> From If she's out spending money and I'm out making money, <laughs> we rush home at the end of the day and we go, all right, let's look at the schedule. Who are the home who are the home the uh, the uh, the home opponents, right? All right, what dates are when? And we always shoot for a snow game. We want it to be colder than a well digger's butt up there at Lambeau when we go to a game. Some of y'all got yeah because you sit inside, Clayton. There's just nothing better than watching snow fall at Lambeau Field. Oh my God, for a for a November or a December game, I absolutely love it. Um, it was really cool last year going into Green Bay, and we spent seven days there the week before Christmas, and we got to take in Green Bay and that Christmas atmosphere. And the thing I love about Green Bay is there's so many different cultures that are there. You've got people from all over the world that have somehow ended up in this small little town. And, and it's just, you know, you've got some of the some of the uh, the Native Americans that live there, right, that their ancestors kind of settled in that land, right, or not settled in that land, but they own that land. They lived there for so many years. And you got other people that, you know, Curly Lambeau, when you hear about his his family and their heritage, you know that there were all kinds of settlers that came in and they really flocked around the Great Lakes, and that's where they settled in. You've had you know everything from Dutch to Irish to we did a, a history segment on that one time, just talking about the the uh, all the diversity there within Green Bay. But taking all that in in December at Christmas time and hitting little Christmas villages. And going to the botanical garden and seeing all the Christmas lights and snows fall. It was just, oh, it was phenomenal. But anyway, I'm excited to see these upgrades with Lambeau Field. So we're going to uh, share some audio with you here and let you see, um, or a, at least hear, what uh, the Packers YouTube page talked about with the improvements for Lambeau Field. So here we go. When they walk into the stadium, they're going to see two boards, one on the north end, one in the south end, and they have grown from 110 feet by 48 feet to 220 feet by 48 feet. On the east and west of the stadium, we uh, are adding some Dactronic boards also, and they are growing to 75 feet long by seven and a half feet high. 
They are a 4K board. We're one of the first in the NFL. The six millimeter pixel spacing is gonna be such a clear picture and they're huge. We're also enhancing the upper concourse. All our belly up concessions have gone to a grab and go concept. So you walk in, you see your drinks, you see your food, you see your, your dry goods, you grab, you take your credit card, you hit the POS and you go. What we're doing is it's a whole new facelift. There'll be a different paint LED boards that will be given the game feed. You'll see the feed as you walk around. Instead of these little TVs, it's LED boards. You're gonna see fan messaging, sponsor messaging as you walk the whole concourse. It's just gonna be exciting. It's all about the fan experience. We can't miss the game. I love it, man. I, I get, I don't know how you guys feel, but I get giddy over stuff like that, man. I'm really excited about the improvements. You know, they're talking about the, the scoreboards, right? The video boards. And, you know, it's the huge video boards that you watch the replays on. I remember watching in the in the 90s and seeing on TV and they would show it and it, it looked like this just perfectly square TV up there, right? And it was, it took forever for them to upgrade to that. And then you went to the bigger scoreboards and it was like in no time they're they're making them even larger. But now, guys, the video boards are absolutely huge. When I was sitting in the club suites last year, um, I'm sitting there and I can see the video board in front of me. It's like having, it's like you're watching it on TV and then you can just look down and see historic Lambeau Field and the action happening live in front of you, right? And you got a TV in the box with you. It sounds like all this is going to be changed, but that video board was huge. Now it's going from 110 feet wide, 110 feet, by 48 feet. So it's 110 feet wide and 48 feet tall. Guys, they're doubling it. If I understood correctly, it's going from 110 feet wide to 220 feet wide. And it's a 4K board. It's going to be it's going to be sick, dude. Sitting up there with a cold beer watching a ball game or like we did last year when we took Jacob and uh, and Seth up there with us and we went to the rooftop um and watched a little bit, you know, a little bit of the pregame stuff. Being able to stand up there and watch the game and seeing that huge video, it's just going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. The other thing, too, that, that really caught my attention was they, they were talking about doing all kinds of different improvements, but the LED boards on the upper concourse level. They used to have these little TVs, and when you're walking around a stadium, if you got to go to the restroom or do whatever, and, and in, inside the club suites they had these same TVs, they were just kind of like your normal flat-screen TV. They're replacing all of those with LED boards now. So I'm what I'm assuming – it's not going to be TVs anymore. It's going to be those big, long LED boards, and you're going to have the live feed of the game going on in real time right down the field. You won't miss a second of anything when you're at Lambeau Field. I mean, it's just it's going to be awesome, man. If you guys can't tell, you know, I'm sitting here, and it's what, April? I'm recording this. It's April 3rd, and I'm already getting excited for, you know, it's funny. Right now I'm excited about the draft. We get to the draft. What happens? As soon as the draft's over, it's like, oh man, I can't wait for mini camp. Let's see. Let's hit these reports of what the rookies are doing. And then as soon as you get the mini camp, it's all oh, training camps right around the corner. Then when you get to training camp, it's I can't wait for the first preseason game. And then of course when the preseason hits, it's like, come on, enough of this. You watch three snaps. It's like I want regular season football right now. It's just NFL's king. And more importantly, more specifically, Packer football. So I'm excited. I'm excited about walking through another year with you guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. Again, if you guys reach out to us, uh, we'll uh, we'll read your messages and and get your stuff 
on the air here. If you got a question, a comment, whether you agree, disagree, whatever it may be, hit us up at 865-658-5824. Make sure you shoot a text over, 865-658-5824. We're going to get out of here. Really appreciate your time. Thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go, Pat, go. To left to restart the game. And this one carrying into the end zone about four yards deep. Here comes Dixon to the five. Left hash marks 10, 15. Hits a hole hard. He's to the 25, 30. Breaks into the clear. Keyshawn Nixon is off to the races. It's Secretary of the Belmont. Down the split time. No one will catch him. It's a touchdown. My goodness. Came into the game. Wayne Huntington with a groin injury. Didn't practice all week. And he just took it right up the gut. Through the heart of the Minnesota Viking Cup unit.